0: See, I believe Saul let David fight Goliath. Did he really think David could beat Goliath? I don't think so. But if you remember, Goliath's challenge was, send send a man to come fight me. Whoever wins, wins the war. And basically, you lose, give us your stuff. I believe that Saul was letting David go because if a youth or a child runs into battle and gets killed, it's plausible deniability. I mean, who would send a kid into battle? Seriously. You could just say, no, no, that would would never have been our fighting man. So it doesn't actually count for Saul. Why do I think it doesn't count for Saul? Because Saul actually never gives David his daughter. Later on, he gets the second daughter, but the one, the oldest daughter that was promised to the one who killed Goliath, David does not get. I think Saul was thinking this is, it, the, whole, the whole thing is ridiculous. He was never imagining this was going to work, but he was going to be able to deny it. Because when a kid runs into battle, what can you say? They're just crazy kids these days. So then he took his, hand, his staff in his hand, he chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand as he approached the Philistine. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David and his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him for he was but a youth, ready and handsome in appearance. the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver me into your hand. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you down and cut off your head. How is that for imagination? And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with the sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. When the Philistine rose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it, and it struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. His imagination... Your thoughts have substance in your brain. This man's thoughts were so powerful, even the leader of his country and his oldest brother could not put a damper on the imagination what he knew was going to be true. There's something about a childlike spirit that because of the difficulties of life, we seem to use, lose it. That many of us no longer have this, I can do it. We're always looking for, well, what do people think? What are, am I going to look silly? What do they say? What does the consensus say? Oh, my family doesn't like it. Mm, probably better not. Oh, political situation. Mm, better not. Childlike faith. Childlike faith. Look, this Philistine did not happen to believe in David's God. In fact, the whole army of Israel was thinking, you know, God, I'm not sure what he's been up to lately, but I don't think he's doing much for us. We better just stick to what we can see. And that is a big man, well-armed. We better not fight him. It looks too dangerous. I wonder what God is putting in you for the battle in this season? What is it? Is it a relationship? What is it that you're maybe to pray for, but more than that, what is it that you're to do? What is it that you're to go up against? What is it that you're to confront? Holiday season's coming. That's when the narcissists come out in the families. That's when the braggers, and the boasters, and the God-haters, and, and the you-haters all come out. Oh, the, the diminishment, the dismissives, the, all the negativity comes out, and the teasing, and the sarcasm. Sark, flesh, chasm, divide, flesh, tearing, sarcasm. How, how's your family? Probably a lot like David's. Why, where are the, why aren't you with those few sheep? You have no value to me, you and your faith, you and your dreams. you got no value to me. Can you keep your hope up? Can you keep your imagination set on the things that God has put in you? This is the truth. This is is life to you. Because when we say whatever they think, I better go along with it. You sell your soul. And there's a cost for being different today. There's a cost for speaking the truth today. Thoughts have substance in the brain. It's not just, I think it so it goes away. It actually changes the, not just the chemistry, but the structure of your brain. The actual physical property is your thoughts. Change the physical property of your brain. Positively or negatively. What you meditate on. It's very clear to me that David was meditating on defending his country, defending God, and succeeding in the mission that God sent him to accomplish. And we're going to be catching up with him a little later on in, in his story as well, and he's going to need some counseling for some other issues. But at this point... I don't want you to miss how, why Jesus said, you know, you, without being like a child, you can't you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. think, oh yes, I can. It's all logical. It's very logical for me to enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says, unless you're like a child, and what is a child? A child has a great imagination. They have great imaginations. They don't struggle to believe. If they don't see it, it's okay because they can see it in their mind. Can you see good things happening to you in your mind? Can you see the blessings God wants to bestow on you in your mind? If you can't, I imagine in this room there are people who would pray with you who would be able to see what God has deposited in you if you can't see it or if you've lost it or somehow life has kind of kicked it out of you. Because you want to get that back. You don't want to live without your hope. You don't want to live without faith. You don't want to live like an orphan. I want to come back to this situation with my father. See, I believe David also had some people he needed to forgive. His brother, probably his father. Certainly we're going to see he's going to need to forgive King Saul, who's very, very jealous of him, who tries to kill him many, many times. Many betrayals are going to happen in David's life. We just sort of saw a few of them. But guess what? Many betrayals have already happened in your life. And in mine. In fact, the more gifted you are, I believe the more people line up to offend you, to criticize you, and to put you down. So I want you, to, I want you to think about that. If you've been offended by someone, if you think people have offended you, is it possible that you have a very special gift and your enemy does not want you to enjoy your gift. So you happen to be very angry with someone else who has a gift and doesn't respect you, or someone else who has something. You didn't get the position you wanted. You didn't. There's something that someone has said or done, or maybe your parents, or maybe a family member. One of the ways that we can learn to forgive... It's to develop compassion on the person that we need to forgive. I had a very difficult time with forgiveness until I was able to develop compassion for my father. I didn't want to develop compassion. It's, it's, I didn't want to forgive him. It's nice to have someone you're angry with that owes you something. It's basically it's like having money in the bank. You, they owe you and so we kind of store it there. We actually don't want to get rid of it. It energizes us. It makes us feel entitled. They hurt me. I don't deserve this. But what we don't know is, is bitterness and resentment. It's like poison. You drink it, you hope they die. You're drinking the poison, you're hoping someone else dies. It, it, it's destroying you. It's destroying your physical health. I can promise you that if you have an ex or you have a bad relationship and you can't forgive that person, that your next relationship is going to suffer significantly. It's just—it's a joy robber. It's going to steal the joy from your life. You're going to always be judgmental and critical and angry. You just can't wait for someone to say something and then you can get offended. Because they owe you. It's just not right. It's just everyone. It's not right. That's not... If that if you are energized by being critical and judging other people, is it possible you have just really been hurt? You've got some very deep wounds, but you don't want to let them go. Because you're afraid, if you let them go, now you're gonna be responsible for the lack of joy in your own life. Well, guess what, you are anyway. Whether Whether you want to spend your life criticizing others, or being angry about what's happened in the past, you are responsible for the joy in your life. It's it's actually your birthright. If you are a child of God, the Holy Spirit's living in you, and the fruit of the Spirit is yours. Love, joy, peace, patience, it's all yours. If those are not being expressed in you, and you consider yourself a child of God, it's possible that resentment and bitterness... Or something else is holding it back. If those character qualities, joy, peace, love, is not part of your life, and you're not a child of God, it would be a good time to become a child of God. If you don't want to live without the Spirit in you helping you to do those things. But just because we said, I, I go to church, or I, I'll receive Jesus as my Savior, what really happens when we do that? We We expect there's going to be tremendous changes. There are tremendous changes, but it's in your spirit. Your spirit is new, but your habits, your anger issues, they may or may not become corrected just because Jesus is living in you. And so you may actually not look a whole lot different, or if you do, it may be for six months and then you look pretty much the same unless you start moving toward Him, reading the Scriptures, figuring out how you can Become like Jesus. Developing compassion. I want everyone to think of someone they need to forgive. Everyone's got someone. Maybe even today. This week. Certainly this year. But let's, let's look at someone who's done something to you and it made you angry. I want to go through the forgiveness process we want to start loosening up those cords, and so one of the ways is to try to develop compassion for them. With my father, I had to say, look, he couldn't give me what he didn't have. He didn't get a lot of love and care and comfort from his father. There's no way he could give it to me. You can't give someone what you do. Is it possible the person you want that, the person who offends you, they took the money, They can't give you what they don't have. You want them to apologize. You want them to own it. You want them to make it right. Forgiveness is giving somebody something they don't deserve. And the reason that we do it as followers of Jesus is because we get something that we don't deserve. He forgives us and he wants us to pass it along. Most of us forget that. He forgives us. He wants us to pass it along. He says, all things are going to work together for good. I can help you with any of those things. Bring it to me. I will redeem everything, but I need you to forgive that person. Do not hold it against them. Now, it may not be safe to reconcile with them. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. But as you're angry with them, essentially draws a chain around them and around you. It basically binds you to them. So every time you hear their name, ooh, you get angry. Oh, especially if they got promoted, that's even worse. Basically, everything they do controls us, and our God does not want us to be controlled by anyone or any, anything. He wants us to be totally free. Jesus died so that you can be free. Some of you may be thinking, you know, I, I just cannot do this that would be a good time for you to say, God, would you help me? See, orphans, they don't like to ask for help. So if you're the kind who doesn't like to ask for help, you just, no, 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 I'll hand. And up to this point in life, you've been able to do it all on your own, and that's the way you'd actually like to keep it. I cannot forgive that person. Holy Spirit, would you help me? Father, would you help me? Jesus, would you help me? You told me to forgive in the Scripture. If you told me to forgive, I give you permission to forgive from the inside of me. You can make me willing to be willing to forgive. You've got to start where you are. But there is power here tonight to forgive. My life changed. I would not be standing up here if I had not gone through this years ago. I just started the process, and I can tell you, Many, many times I had to forgive again and again and again. It was just the start of a very long process. But I am free. My father died in 2001. I was able to bless him. I was able to reestablish a relationship with him. It was never the relationship I wanted, but you can even ask the Lord, do you understand how I suffered? I want you to talk to God about this. There's something called attunement where it's not... People think if they forgive... It's gone forever. No one's going to know. And it's, well, God knows. And he's the one that says, you forgive this and I will bless you more than you can ever imagine. But it takes faith and it takes imagination to imagine that good can come out of this. I want to give you like a minute now. And I want you to think of someone you need to forgive. And then we're going to do a forgiveness declaration together. power of the word, death and life from the power of the tongue. And if it's not, if you feel like you can't do it, then you don't need to do it. But I believe everyone and if you think, oh, I've forgiven them before, there are layers. We can forgive at a deeper level. Let's just do this together. Say after me. I choose to forgive with all of my heart. The things that they did and the things that they didn't do, that hurt me. Specifically, I forgive them for. Now, I want you to think in your mind. I can say, oh yeah, I forgive my dad for everything. But it works better if I say, I forgive him for not encouraging me. I forgive him for creating such fear in the home. I forgive him for the violence. I forgive whatever it is the money they took from you. You go line by line and specifically forgive. I'm going to give you another 20, 30 seconds now to do that. All right, let's continue. that. I forgive them with all of my heart. I place them in the hands of God. I trust you, Father. To treat them according to your justice. You don't need my help. Also treat them according to your mercy. Same way you treat me. I drop any desire for vengeance. And I set them free. I cancel their debts to me. They owe me nothing. They don't owe me an apology. They owe me nothing. I set them free. And I set myself free from this prison of anger and resentment. And bitterness. Mm -hmm. Heavenly Heavenly Father, come and heal my heart. Tell me your truth about this situation and about who I am. I want you to listen now for the voice of God. He comes very close to those who forgive and are contrite and humble in heart. Maybe a word, a picture, a verse, someone else to forgive, something to confess. You just write it down. If you get a, write down those words from God. Lord, I thank you for what you've done here tonight. I thank you for everyone who has started the forgiveness process, trusted you, used their imagination and their hope to say, there is justice in the universe, and it's not me. Lord, speak to them. Bless them, especially in their relationships, especially in their relationship with you tonight. Lord, heal their hearts. Heal their relationships. and bless you in Jesus' name.